Welcome to the Emmanuel Message Podcast. For more information about us, check us out online at kenosha.church or on Facebook or Instagram at kenosha.church. Compared to the limitless depth of eternity, our period on earth is precious and short. So how are you going to spend your time? We're here for a reason, a holy purpose, and this message inspires the church not to waste our lives on things that don't matter. God is with us now and he's coming again soon, and we can accomplish incredible things in his name when we live like our time is short. Enjoy the message. All right, so uh, my name is Luis, um, Luis Hernandez. Uh, I'm from the Dominican Republic. I got here to this country uh, eight years ago um, with my wife and my kids. Uh, we were, we've been living in Kenosha for since I got here eight years ago. My wife has been living here for her whole life. Uh, I met my wife in my country. Um, yeah, it was amazing. She was my neighbor, and that's how everything started. <laughs> I'm not gonna go with all the details and all that. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, what was the other question? I'm Jennifer Hernandez, and I grew up in Kenosha. I've been here my whole life. I moved to the Dominican back in 2012 after doing a missionary trip there. I met Louis. He was my neighbor, and the rest is history. Now we got Louis and I have been married for seven years now, together eight. We have two beautiful kids. We went to probably every church in Kenosha. And then we ended up here. Yeah. And we knew that this is where we were supposed to be. And since then, the Lord has grown drastically in both of our lives. I think in every area of our life, He's grown inside of us. We, um, we saw something, something different in this church from the moment that we walked in the doors. Yeah. Um, everything, the welcoming, the, uh, love and, and, and you know just greeting and everything was so so homey and so we felt like we were at home so from that point from that moment on we were like this is a church we have to stay here let's see uh, we're gonna we, let's see how, how much we're gonna grow here and we have been growing immense immensely like we have been growing a lot um, from that moment, from walking from the door, seeing people's uh, smiling and, and greeting us, it was, yeah, it has been amazing. People were so kind to us. I remember coming in and I was just, I was bitter and in pain and angry, but people kept being nice to me. <laughs> <laughs> and it warmed my heart, it softened my heart because of their love. There is a, a sign uh, or a say uh, that is a very saying. popular, a saying that yeah. is very popular from this church, which is we are not perfect people, but we are people made new. Um, so when we walked in, we are looking at all these people smiling. We know that everybody goes through, th through something. Those people have to be going through something. We were going through something and we're walking in and still they are smiling. It, it draw our attention to what, what are they doing? I want something, I want some of that. Uh, I want to experience the same thing. So that's when we got ourselves more involved in um, ministry and um, the, the, the kids' ministry and, and, you know, greeting people and saying hi to people. And um, Heidi uh, came up to my wife and asked her if she wants to be part of it. And 
uh, be part of the kids team and the check-in and all that. And she, she said, yeah, um, well, revolution has um, impacted my life. Like me being with the kids, um, experiencing uh, their journey um, through all this, uh, about you know knowing who God is, uh, knowing uh, God in the Bible and all that. I learned from that. Like I didn't know the whole Bible, and by me reading the Bible with the kids and and and, and listening to the pastor um, teaching the world and then going to live group right after that. Um, I learned from that, so it was it was a uh, it was not just me talking to the kids about God. It was them with their experience also talking to me and teaching me a lot of things that they are going through life that I never went through. Um, so it, it, ma it made me uh, put myself in a position that wow, look, look, you have been through a lot, but all the people are going through a lot too. Um, the beautiful thing about this is like God teaches who he is in, a diff in different ways to everybody, not just what you have been through. Um, I'm, a, I'm a quiet guy, I'm quiet, I'm very quiet. No, you're um, not. <laughs> I'm very quiet, but I observe a lot, and I prefer to make other people laugh, make other people smile, than me just talk and talk and talk. So that's, I think that's how I have, um, <laughs> That's how I have made my way to the kids' life and the kids, you know, they love, I think they love me. They love you. Um, I have made that like clear. <laughs> like I, I'm gonna make you laugh, I'm gonna make you cry laughing, but it will always be something that comes out of my heart. And it's because um, God has molded me to be like that. And I feel like God has made me the man that I am right now um, to share that with other people. And that's what I'm doing at Red. That was beautiful. So, you know, when I came in to Emmanuel, because of where I was at in my walk with the Lord, I didn't have a desire to serve. I didn't have a desire really even to connect with people. I was coming because since the Lord has come into my life, I don't know any other way to live. So church just was like, I have to go. And so I came. And within a few weeks, Heidi was knocking on my door, asking me to serve. And um, I was like, okay. <laughs> and you know, and within, I don't know how long, a couple weeks, maybe a month or two, I was like, I don't wanna do this anymore. So I came in that morning and I was gonna tell Heidi, I'm done, I quit. And she came up to me and gave me this gift card and said she was so grateful for all that I was doing. And I didn't feel like I was doing much, but that encouragement is exactly what I needed because I said, okay, Lord, I guess, I guess I'll continue. <laughs> and through that- Make sure to say that it was not because of the gift card, that it was because. <laughs> It was not because of the gift card. No, it was definitely for, because of the encouragement. <laughs> and since then, serving has, it's changed my heart to know that I am supposed to connect with people. I am supposed to be here and it's not just for me. I swear I tell everyone, I'm like, if you're not serving, you need to serve. Because yes, ultimately, it's for the kingdom, but God transforms you. 
Yeah. He blesses you through that and changes you and does miraculous things through that. It's really powerful. There's been so many times in on days that we have life group or even on a Sunday or a worship night that I come in and I'm I'm drained. I'm exhausted. I'm overwhelmed. Whatever the feeling is and I feel like I just want to give up. Like there's there's, what am I going to do? And somebody, somebody always comes up and gives me encouragement. No, I don't know where I'm going with this. Really, I'm not kidding. I wanted to talk about Andy because Andy has, he is a great leader. He is in, in those moments. A lot of times it's been him and he'll say, it, it's not a big long thing like how Andy is, right? He talks. <laughs> <laughs> like me. But in those moments, no, it's very sound and clear and it helps me. It just picks me right back up. And even if in the moment I don't receive it, it's there and it's lingering, right? And it's truth and it's life and so yeah he's been very very great to us our family yeah i mean oftentimes you like here at the church you you have a a physical worship an experience that it's amazing okay but this church is not is not just about the physical worship it's it's about the spiritual community it's like do you have people here that are going to love you for who you are? It doesn't matter how you come in the door. You just, people are there for you. Like, and that's what, that's what we love. That's, it's amazing to see that happen in, in the church. You know, and this church have taught us those things. And um, now, like, greeting and being part of the church and um, being part of, of the ministry, uh, it has, me uh, personally, it has helped me to see people not for what they are going through or for what they look like at the moment, but for how God looks at them. Uh, like I said, I'm, I'm quiet, but now I'm more open to, to say hi to people, to um, smile at people and to you know establish a conversation with them, whether they are feeling happy or they are upset or whatever it is that, that however they are feeling at the moment. Um, so yeah, the spiritual community that it's within the church, it's, it's beautiful. Amen to that. Amen. <laughs> <laughs>
I said, I said, you're 30 minutes late, so I have 45 minute class. And then I looked ahead, and that was it. I hadn't. That was all I talked to, all I said to her. I went home and told my roommates about the biggest jerk I'd ever met because I wasn't 30 minutes late. I was definitely late, but not 30 minutes late. And I was just not accustomed to people not helping me. We're very nice in Minnesota, so. <laughs> I haven't stopped thinking about her since that moment I met her in economics class. He became friends with my roommate and this guy was just always there. Yeah. Like, I was always hanging funny. out. Her roommate was in love with these awful musicals. And I would go hang out with her and watch these musicals because Laura might come home while I was there and I could talk to her. And I learned how to drink coffee because she loved coffee, so I drank coffee. I didn't know until after we were married that he didn't like coffee. Yeah, yeah no, I, was, I did not give up. I pursued her. And only her since, since economics class. She married the biggest jerk she ever met. So I grew up in a Christian home. I never doubted the facts that God created the world, everything in it, that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And those were just simply fundamental truths that I believed beyond a shadow of a doubt. Um, but I saw God more as like a judgmental God than a loving God. Um, and I just didn't have a good grasp on his character. Um, in college, I learned that God wasn't really just a simple view that I had had of him all along. He was real, he was living, he was relevant and he wanted a relationship with me, and that blew my mind. And from that point on, I began growing in my faith and my personal relationship with Christ. Um, and the things that I was learning in the Bible about being made in his image, um, him having a plan for me and for my life, um, they helped me become more confident and comfortable and, and secure. About four years ago, we moved back to Union Grove and we decided to visit Emmanuel. We were doing some church shopping. And I remember the first day, uh, we brought Elon into church because we didn't know any better. It was our first baby. He was only a couple weeks old and um, we didn't even realize that there was a place to bring your babies. <laughs> like, and someone helped Josh. and. And everybody was just so kind and helpful. And then after church, we went down to the lake for lunch and people from church noticed us and invited us to spend time with them. And we were just like, whoa. And so we knew we had to go back because these were people who like actually practiced what they preached. So we felt very welcomed and we were pushed in our faith. Um, but I think we were still pretty concerned with our personal comfort. Um, and then about two years ago, right after my daughter was born, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And um, death is one of those things in life that is 
promised it is for certain you will die, but somehow when you're confronted with it, it's still kind of alarming. <laughs> um, and the thing that really carried me through this period was my faith and um, understanding that in this world we will have pain, but that God has overcome the world. Um, and so kind of during this time, I had some truths from the Bible that were kind of on my, I called them like my speed dial. And so when anxiety would creep in, or even when it still does, when I have follow-up sets sort of thing, just remembering the ideas that like God is sovereign, God goes before me, his ways are not my ways. Um, that if I have faith the size of a mustard seed, he can move mountains and that he is the great healer and the great restorer and that he has a plan for my life. Since my diagnosis, I've met so many women who are going through cancer themselves or are experiencing scares with cancer. And um, they reach out to me asking for support or just want to talk or whatever. And um, so afraid to share the gospel with them and I don't know why and it kind of I, I listened to a sermon recently about um, that Bible verse that talks about my yoke um, being easy but my burden is light and it just kind of made me realize like it is work it is work it is something that we are required to do it is something that we have to do even when it's not easy and how can I care about these women in their temporary pain and their temporary affliction but not spend time telling them about something that will help them for eternity and um, is really what helped me the most you know that just doesn't even make sense after my diagnosis I made up my mind that I was going to be baptized and um, I still didn't do it. And then Andy gave us the opportunity. He's like, if somebody just feels, I don't even remember what he said. If somebody just feels like they need to be baptized today, coming up. And I was like, I need to do it. I, need, I just felt like I needed, like I'm not going to sign up. I'm probably not. I'm just so uncomfortable. And then I'd have to sit with that discomfort for so long. <laughs> um. So I looked at Josh and I was like, I think I need to do it. She said you need to do it too. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say you needed to. There might have been a little bit of a guilt trip, but it wasn't need to. During my diagnosis, the church was incredibly helpful. I had um, Jenny and Mel praying for me constantly. Um, Mel always checking in with me and Jenny making a food train and I had strangers that I didn't even know bringing me meals. Um, and just those little things that were probably, I don't know, they probably didn't feel like a big deal to the people that did it. Um, but that constant reminder that people are thinking about me, people care about me, and people are praying for me, were constantly giving me what I needed 
the strength that I needed to go forward when my own strength just wasn't enough or my own faith was weak that day. And um, the church was instrumental in that. Oh, and to realize that we actually had a church, um, like a church family. Yeah. I hadn't had a church family since I was in young, you know, in college and high school and all that, to be back in a church family. Okay, yeah, so I grew up in a... I grew up in a Christian household as well, going to church, and um, I did youth group every Wednesday in Awana. I was I was a very decorated Awana athlete, and um, being a Christian and being in a Christian family it was just it was always what I knew. I have no memory of praying the prayer or an altar call or anything like that. Um, and so all through high school, I was in youth group and we had a small group that I went to and it was it was always a given that I was saved that I knew I was saved that I knew Christ and um, how strong the relationship was with them you know I don't know in high school I had my doubts and my rebellion for sure uh, and so we kind of went around to a few different churches and we went to a big one just north of here and, and there was no child care. We had Elon and and all it was just like a dank little room that they said you can sit with your kid in there if you want. And it was it just didn't feel right. And so we Googled like local churches and um, and and Emmanuel came up and it was so we thought, hey, let's let's give it a try. And almost immediately we felt comfortable here and we liked it and we liked um, the atmosphere, we liked all of it. Uh, and so when we started coming here consistently and then when Laura got diagnosed with cancer, um, we had made friends with Jenny and Lewis and when Jenny found out that she was sick and was gonna have surgery and all that, she, um, you know, like Laura said, she the food train, she just really loved us. And I thought that was incredible. And, and she introduced us to Mel who's you know, whose wife went through cancer and Mel gave Laura uh, his late wife's wigs and it was just incredible. It was unbelievable to have someone that didn't really know us treat us like they loved us. And so I thought that was pretty awesome. Uh, and so then that's kind of when we knew this was our going to be our church home. God is crafting uh, in each and every one of you a story, his marvelous story through you. And I, I just, I, when, I was, when, I, when the team was building that, and, uh, and there's some parts for the first time I was seeing that in these seats here today, uh, I just want you to know there's a story in each and every one of your lives. We can't wait to tell it. Because in here, God is moving. He's moving in and through you to show the gospel to the world.
God is on the move. He's on the move uh, in this church and in this city. And you, did you know that one year ago, next week, one year ago was our first Sunday back from the COVID shutdowns. Isn't that crazy? So let's just give it up for those of you that have traveled this last year of absolute craziness. Now, some churches, they went back a few weeks before we did. Some churches went back just a few weeks ago uh, in the community. And listen, when we went back, it wasn't a moment of, all right, here, we're back. We're, we're, you know, we're trumpeting our horn right now. No, it wasn't that. We spent time in prayer and said, God, when do you want us to go back? And we really just kind of came to a level of, you know what, June the 21st, 2020, we're going back. We believed that's when the Lord wanted us to go back. And we believed when we went back, we didn't share this with you just in case we were wrong, uh, but we believe that when we went back, there would not be one outbreak from our meetings. And you know what? I can say one year into this, we have not had one outbreak of COVID from our meetings. And now I know that many of you have suffered through COVID and you've, and you've recovered through that. We even had one of our individuals here at church who is on church online uh, pass over last summer or in the, in the fall, excuse me, and uh, our hearts just go out to this season that we have gone through. And, but God's mercies are new every day, amen, right? God is, he is so good, and we believe that what he has for us in the months and years to come are unbelievable. Now, I want us to think about real quick, but before we look forward, I want us to think about real quick what we went through. One year ago, just over one year ago during Easter Sunday, every church in the world, the majority, 99% of the churches across the world were not meeting on Easter Sunday. Now that's something that we can just chalk up and say, well, oh, that was weird. Wow, right? Uh, remember that? I don't want us to forget it. Because it was the first Easter Sunday since the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I do believe perhaps maybe the only Sunday until the second coming of Christ that the church was not meeting on Easter Sunday. It was a prophetic statement. It was a prophetic statement to the church. I'm saying, are we going to be locked, focused on the mission of Jesus Christ? Or are we going to play church? Church, do we want to play church? No. Church, do we want to be the mission of Jesus Christ, the hands and feet of Jesus Christ? Do we? Yes, we do. As every church was shut down, it was a moment for us to reflect it was a moment for us to be reflect, to be shaken and shifted to the very core, to being called back to the mission of Jesus Christ, that the gospel indeed changes everything. It's the hope, it's the lifeline. Peter warned the church about the seasons or waves that would affect culture in the church. He warned the church very clearly in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1. He said this, There's already been enough time spent doing what the Gentiles choose to do carrying on an unrestrained behavior and evil desires and drunkenness or orgies, that's drinking parties in some of your translations, carousing and lawless idolatry. They, that is the culture, the unbelieving culture, they are surprised that you don't join them in the same flood of wild living and they slander you. They will give an account to the ones who stand ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason, the gospel was also preached to those who are now dead, so that although they might be judged in the flesh according to human standards, they might live in the spirit according to God's standards. Listen to this, verse 7. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert, sober-minded for prayer. Peter warned the church 
2,000 years ago that the end is near. Now, some of you are like, Peter, you missed that. Well, not, not really, because to the Lord, the Bible says, a thousand years are but what? A day, right? So it's only been a couple days to the Lord from his perspective. But Peter was saying, church, you need to be ready. You're going to encounter various trials. In fact, the church was, was not a, a hero in the cultural standpoint of, of the Roman Empire. They were enemies. And he's saying, not only are you going to face cultural difficulties, the end is near. You need to be prepared for the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, church, I don't know when Jesus will come back. Nobody knows. If anybody say, says that they know, they have the day and the, the time picked out, uh, they're either really fooled or they're trying to sell you uh, some merchandise. Because Jesus said you will not know the exact day or time. But what the Bible says, though, is that the seasons will begin to say the end is near. The Bible says that we need to be ready because he can come back at any moment. So what will he find? What will the Lord God Almighty find when he comes back? And I do believe prophetically on Easter Sunday 2020, that is the soul searching the church must have answered. What will he find? And so this is our main idea this morning. The time is now. If the end is near, the time is now. Peter tells us we need to be alert and sober-minded for the sake of our prayers. Jesus says in the book of Revelation that behold, he is coming soon. And when Jesus ascended into heaven on the day of Pentecost, they said, behold, he will come in the same way that he went up. That Paul states to the Romans in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 13. We'll get to this in empires eventually. So I'll give you a little preview. Romans 13, 11. Paul says this. This is all the more urgent for you know how late it is Time is running out. Wake up, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. So how will the Lord find his bride? He calls the church his bride. The church matters to him. Man, the church is so easily maligned and, 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 and called names on Twitter and on Facebook and in culture. It's the popular thing to just kind of kick the church right now. Oh, I love Jesus, but I don't love the church. God calls the church his bride. Jesus calls the church his bride. How will he find the church when he comes back? How will we find you? Because the church is made up of his people. How will we find you when he comes back? I don't know about you, but I don't want to leave any stone unturned, any door unopened. We must bet the farm for the sake of the world. For the next generation. The next generation who even the research groups, whether it be Barna or whether it be secular research groups, are saying are the most irreligious group in our history. Generation Z, those born from 1997 and onward, they are vastly rejecting Jesus Christ. Some of you are like, well, I thought the millennials rejected. They did, and the Zs are rejecting Christ at an even greater rate. Now we can just pack it up and say, well, that's just the way it is. Or I can say, not on our watch. Right, church? I don't know what any other church can do. I don't know what's going to happen in different states. But what I can say is, as Emmanuel Kenosha Church, God has given us a mandate to reverse the trends. We must reach the next generation now. Life is too short. This is one of our core values. That life is too short and the stakes are too high. To know what we know and do nothing. I loved Laura's testimony. She's like, man, it's scary, but... 
Man, I want to give him something that's even beyond the temporal pain. That's right. Life is too short and the stakes are too high to know what we know and do nothing. The time is now. We must be ready. So those who will remain standing in the faith are the ones that are going to cling to the word of God. We've seen that challenge last year, haven't we? The word of God. It's the infallible and errant. What I mean by this is we can trust it, right? The word of God, the very words of God are contained in the Bible. Those who are going to still be standing are going to be standing on the word of God and they're going to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. You see, you can know the word of God, but if you're going to do it in your own strength, in your own flesh, you will fail. The church more than ever needs to rediscover the power that was discovered on the day of Pentecost, and that is the Holy Spirit. Amen? And we need to be willing to reach the lost. That is our mandate. Yet in this last year, evangelical churches have strayed from the word. Evangelical churches across our nation have strayed from the word of God. Why? Because when it got hot, when the tough got going, we wanted to be liked. Now listen, we don't need to be obstinate to culture. We need to love everybody. Uh, we, we need to love everybody no matter where they're at. But we are told in the word of God that if we're going to stand on the word of God, we will not be liked. And some churches across the nation couldn't stand that. So they left the word of God to become more palatable, to be liked by culture. So they're questioning the word of God. And I say this even with a broken heart this morning. Uh, some of you know on the side before the pandemic, I would speak across the country. And some very people I've shared the stage with across the country are now enemies of the cross. Oh, yes, they're getting better podcasts. Oh, yes, they're getting book deals. Oh, yes, their influence is even greater. But they stand as enemies of the cross. Why? Because they want to be liked. They fly the flags of many colors. They march in the streets and they say four-letter words. The influence has increased as a result, but they've abandoned their faith. This is no time for the church to run from the truth. This is the time to capture, I believe, a moment in the next months and years ahead that perhaps we have an opportunity to reach people with the gospel like we never have in our lifetime. So on one end, you have evangelical churches abandoning the word. But on the opposite end, you have evangelical churches that are clinging on to the word, but they're hunkering down. They're worried about what they see. They just want to survive. But this is a season, not only are you to survive in the word of God, but that you are to be influential and thrive through the word of God. We are not to fall asleep, as Peter said to the church. We're to be awake and understand the urgency that surrounds us. At Emmanuel Kenosha Church, I want to make a declaration and I hope we live up to it. I hope I live up to it. At Emmanuel Kenosha Church, we will not hide. We will not hunker down. At Emmanuel Kenosha Church, we will never water down the word of God and we'll never try to do it on our own without the Spirit. The time is now. And Jesus warned us not to fall asleep or become distracted. In fact, he warned us. He said, many people will gain the whole world, but they will lose their soul. 
Now, as I said, I believe the ground, even though the, 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 the atmosphere of culture is very confusing and very intoxicating where people are going astray, I believe the positive here is that the ground of revival has never been more, more fertile. The ground of revival has never been more fertile. God is calling his church, he's calling church, he's calling Emmanuel Kenosha Church into a season of unprecedented worship towards him and commitment towards his mission. We never, may never be in this type of fertile ground again in our lifetime. I may be wrong on that, but I've been praying into this for over a year and I believe it. I believe that this is a season that we can see a ripe harvest or we can squander it. This next year, we'll have a window of perhaps opportunity where the harvest indeed is plentiful. And Jesus said the workers are few. Let's jump in because the time is now. So if the time is now, it's important to know a couple things. If it's now, you need to understand who you are. Oh boy, that's something that is being challenged. It's identity. We need to understand who we are in Christ, firstly. And secondly, what we are supposed to do. So let's take a look at the first one. Who are we? You need to know who you are. Your identity is this, you are a worshiper. You worship. You were created to worship. In fact, Psalm 95, 6 says this, Come, let's worship and bow down. Let's kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture. Worship is not something that you just do. Worship is part of your identity of who you are. Let me say that again. Worship isn't something you just do. Worship is a part of the identity of who you are. You will declare something great in your life, whether it's God or something else. We are created and wired to worship. We are created and wired to praise something. What is it? Now we look at Psalm 95 and we see a command to come and worship. It's commanded. But what's interesting here, here is that you know that word worship actually means bow down. In fact, the Greek word for worship is prosuke. It means to prostrate oneself, right? To bow down. So what we, what we see here is if you translate worship to bow down, you see him repeating himself three times, the psalmist. They say, come, let us bow down and bow down and let's kneel or bow down before the Lord, our maker. Bow down, bow down, bow down. To who? The Lord, our maker. Why the Lord? Because we're his. We're his. Oftentimes we have a tough time, even as followers of Christ, to physically bow down before the Lord who is our King. I'm going to tell you in this last year, I've seen plenty of people bow down to the wrong thing. People have been bowed down to the idols of this world and this culture, and people have physically bowed down to things they shouldn't have been bowed down to. The only person we bow down to is the Lord God Almighty. Amen, church? You will bow down to something. What will it be? You will not worship, by the way, the right thing if you don't know who you are. And we often talk about who you are. Who am I? But it's less about who you are, but whose you are. 1 Peter 2.9 says this, But you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. When you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he brings you into the family of God. Whereas the world divides, whereas the world doesn't offer any other thing but shame and no salvation, 
where the world tries to divide you by the classes or your economics or your races, uh, where they divide by flying flags on particular months and indoctrinate your kids to be far away from Christ. There's indoctrination going on today, church. Some of us need to throw those TVs and kick them to the curb right now. I can't believe I said that. I remember I heard some pastors in the 80s say that. I'm like, oh man, he's just such a fundamentalist. I'm telling you right now, what I'm seeing on Nickelodeon right now, I can't believe it. They are reaching and going for three-year-olds. And we can't passively sit here any longer. We must go on the offensive with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel. Why? Because the gospel changes everything and the gospel unites people who would otherwise be divided. In fact, the early church that he's speaking to here were people from all different ethnicities and all different socioeconomical backgrounds. And where today politicians would say, you go in there here, you go here, we're going to give you this label, we're going to give you this label, we're going to give you this. The Lord God Almighty says when you place your faith and trust in him alone and you begin to walk in his ways, guess what? We are one family from all over the world, every tribe, tongue, nation, and creed. And we see here that we are brought together to praise him. Praise is worship expressed. You see, worship is declaring the worth of something, but praise, praising the excellency, it takes energy, it takes words. It's something that's visible. And that's why we make space in our services. We make space in our services to praise the Lord God Almighty. I've heard this error before. I thought this error earlier in life, and I thought music was just the pregame, the, you know, the warm-up, right? It's not that. It's essential. If we were to cut our music and praise out of the worship service, I'm going to tell you right now, it'd be being disobedient to the Lord God Almighty. He commands, oh, come, let us worship and bow down that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. Praise is worship expressed. It's not the pre-show. Praise is a command and the Lord loves it. It's not about what we want. It's less about us. It's all about God. Therefore, it's not about the style. It's not about the particular song. Oh, I don't really like that song today. You might not, but guess what? Do you love God? Do you love Jesus? Yeah, then you're gonna praise him no matter what. You don't love the song more than Jesus. Jesus demands our praise. Jesus is worthy of our praise. And guess what? We're going to praise him no matter what. Amen, church? Jesus said this in John 4, 24. He said, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. When you place your faith and trust in Christ, you get the spirit of the living God. He's the conductor of our worship. From the resurrection of Jesus to the second coming, we worship in this new way. Every single one of you, when you place your faith and trust in Jesus, has access to the Holy Spirit as he resides in you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. When you understand that you are made for worship, when you realize it's not all about you, it's all about Jesus, you will never, ever want to squander a moment of praise and worship ever again. The time is now. To be a person of worship. Worship fuels our life. Worship is, to be a worshiping person though, you need to understand this, you're made for worship. We were also made to worship in community. It's not just good enough to worship in your car and we have K-Love on or something, right? You need to be in a worshiping community. You, need, you were created to grow in a committed worshiping community. That is the church, the local church. 
fact, we see a snapshot of a template of the early local church, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs are being performed through the apostles. And now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all and any who had need. And every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple. They broke bread from house to house. They They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts and praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to the number of those being saved. That is an incredible passage. You need to mark that up and go back to that often. Incredible passage snapshot of the early church life. And I often go back to this passage because it is a template for us. In fact, let's look at verse 42 real quickly. We see that they were committed first and foremost to the apostles' teaching. Today we have that in the word of God. To be a New Testament church, you need to be bound to the word of God. It, it, it's, it, it's our core value, our top core value. We take God at his word, even when it's not popular. So let's commit to be people of the word. We need to be in the word. It's one thing to have a platitude on the wall. It's one thing to say it from the stage. It's one thing to maybe crack the Bible open on a Sunday morning. We need to be people of the word every single day of the week. Let's, be, let's understand it. Let's be obedient. Let's live it. Verse 42, we also see an intentional gospel community. We see the word fellowship and breaking of bread. The New Testament church did life together. You know what I absolutely loved about those, those, the two testimonies? And, I, and again, when I watched this for the first time, I was like, whoa, I didn't know they interconnected like that. That's what happens. When we are a New Testament church community, we spur one another on. Not only are we going to be committed to a large group like this, but to life groups and to making ministry happen and volunteering. In fact, four core values have come out of verse 42. We choose to see the best in each other. If you're going to be a New Testament community, you're not going to look at somebody with contempt at first. You're going to choose to see the best in each other. That's what we do here at Emmanuel, right? If someone starts coming in like, I just got to tell you about this person. I'm like, stop. I'll walk them right to the core value sign. We choose to see the best in each other. Another core value that came out of verse 42 is we'll be a place where guests feel at home. Church isn't to be an inward club. We want to be a place that anybody who comes through those doors has fridge rights. Another core value is we are spiritual contributors, not just spiritual consumers. And another core value that came out of verse 42 is one of our favorites. We're not perfect people. The people made new. Intentional gospel community. We see in verse 43, space for the Holy Spirit. Everyone was filled with awe. Many wonders and signs are being performed through the apostles. And it's directly influenced our core value that we invite God to do what only he can do. This isn't passive, like, God, you just do what you do and we'll just watch. No, he's inviting us. He's inviting us into this, right? But we want to have the attitude, God, they say it's impossible, but guess what? We know through you anything is possible. We invite you to do what only you can do. And we believe that when God's people come together and pray, come together and worship, it is a fault line to the enemy. It shakes the ground, right? It's dangerous to the enemy. A praying church changes strongholds. A praying church renews families. A praying church changes an entire city. And listen, here's the deal. When we go to the Lord God Almighty in prayer, we are gonna shoot the moon. 
We are gonna pray the mountains move, right, church? Why? Because we believe that God can do what only he can do. We're gonna go to him with the works, with the understanding that we're gonna trust him and how he answers everything. We understand that. One of our hallmarks here at Emmanuel's is our worship nights. Man, they have become bigger. They've become uh, just the stories that have been coming out of them. It is a cornerstone of who we are here at Emmanuel. If you, right now, between 50, sometimes 60% of our church is showing up. If you're not at a worship night, I'm gonna encourage you to be part of that. Uh, and, and we just open it wide open for prayer and worship, that's it. And one of the cool things that happened in our last one is uh, Zifra, right? Zephora. Zipporah, sorry, I knew I was gonna get that wrong. Zipporah, uh, John, was, uh, uh, was at our last worship night and she's been severely allergic to dairy. Hasn't been able to eat it since uh, she was a newborn. And she just prayed, God, take this away. I, I wouldn't even thought of that. I'd be like, I, just have, I have this allergy, you know, I can't eat eggs, right? And so maybe I need, I need to try this, right? But I can't eat this, so uh, yeah, whatever, it's just my lot in life. She's like, I, I wanna eat dairy. She had people pray over her. She got it checked out. And check this out. Here's a picture right there. She's been eating dairy now for how long? Like a couple months now? Since the worship night. So yes, so weeks if not a month, right? And the thing is, is like when I saw this picture, I'm like, wow. And I can't even eat that because that has egg in it too. So it's like, I'm super jealous, all right? So at the end of the service, I want you to lay hands on me so I can eat eggs again, all right? So, but no, I say this in all seriousness. There's nothing too low or too high that we can't ask God, right? God loves it when we meet with him. He wants us to share in his mercy. Worship nights. We have our next worship night on June the 30th. June the 30th is our next worship night. And there's something cool about this one. This won't be all of them, but you know what? We've, we've had a few people from other churches show up. And you know what we said? It's like, why don't we open up the door to other churches to come on this one. This will be the last one before we have one in August. Well, July will be off. And uh, I said, why don't we have some other churches come? And we have a handful of other churches going to join us because we want to worship and pray for our city. Amen? So June the 30th, be there, worship night at 6 p.m. But you know what's important? Uh, as important as our worship nights are, we want you to have space to meet and respond with Jesus each and every week. Now, we realize, especially in this service, when the service goes a little long and there's ministry happening, or sometimes this is my last point, you'll see like 10 people get up, right? And some people that are new, if you're new with us, you're like, man, are they, are they mad? Did Andy just say something? They got mad? Uh, no, they're not mad. Maybe, I mean, maybe a few of them are. I don't know. But uh, they're actually getting up to go and serve, right? And so we've realized, you know what? We need to correct that. Because if we're going to be all about making space for prayer and ministry at the end of our services, we can't have that. And you, by the way, thank you for getting up and going to serve, right? But we have heard you loud and clear. So I have something awesome to announce to you. On September the 5th, we are going to slightly tweak our worship times so that you have space to respond to the Lord. And you don't, especially this service, you don't have to get up and go. Our service length will be about the same, right? But we want to create space where we're not shortchanging what the Lord is doing at the end of service. 9 o'clock and 11 is going to be our service times starting September 5th. How's that for everybody serving in this service? Yeah. That's on September 5th. Not next week. September 5th. And uh, we'll talk more about that, uh, teams, what that means for you in the weeks to come. But we, I was excited to tell you that. This has been in the works. The time is now for us to take action, make tweaks, adjust, to reach this city and to meet with our Lord God Almighty. 
So we are worshipers. That's who we are. That's our identity. The next question is this, who are we? Who are we? Where are we? Excuse me, who are we is we're worshipers. The second thing is this, is then, okay, what do we need to do? What do we need to do? And Jesus is very clear, make disciples. See, some of these people are already leaving to go serve right now. See what I'm talking about? Yeah. 9-11, September 5th, all right? So this is really important because when people talk about what are we supposed to do in the church, one will run to, I'm a worshiper, and they love going to the altar and worshiping, and others will say, no, 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 no. We need to go reach people for Jesus. And I don't know how these things got split up, but these, are, these work together. They don't work without each other. One's identity, we're worshipers. One is, we have something very specific to do. It's so specific, Jesus said after the resurrection, this is what you're to do, and this assignment ends when he comes back. It's that we are to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. See, there goes two more right there. So Jesus has given us, Jesus has given us a mandate. He's given us a mandate. Some people say, Andy, you talk a lot about evangelism. I'm guilty as charged. It wasn't my idea. It's the Lord's. The Lord could have just ascended and be like, I'll see you later. Just be, be alert. He's like, no, 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 one more thing. Because you have the Spirit of God coming upon you, all authority has been given to you. And you're to reach people and make disciples. Jesus said, go. Go make disciples. But listen, this isn't just a simple command. Just go. Go make disciples. Oh, sweet, I'll, have a, I'll, I'll put it on my calendar at nine o'clock on Friday. Eh, wrong, that's not what this is. This word go can be translated as you go through life. He's saying your lifestyle is to make disciples. So whether it's at school, whether it's at work, whether it's at, you're, you're at the grocery store, whether it's with your barista, whether it's at church, whether it's you're down, going driving down the road, wherever you're at, make disciples. It isn't, it's less than an event. Listen, event, evangelism events are good, right? I love them, okay? But the thing is, what's way more important, what we see in the command right here is your life is to make disciples. Everywhere and anywhere you're at. Some people are like, well, I just kind of let God just do it. You know, I've heard these people super spiritualize this. They're like, you know, if God just wants to do it, he'll do it. That's not what he did with Adam. What do you mean? Well, you know, he, God created, he created the earth, heavens and the earth, created the animals, created Adam. And he said, oh, hey, Adam, I want you to do something for me. Yeah, what's that, God? I want you to name all the animals. Have you ever thought about how absurd that is? God just got done making everything, and I think God could have came up with way better names, right? Now we're stuck with all these Latin names when we study animals, right? But he said, Adam, I want you to name the animals. And I believe in the very first chapters of the Bible we're seeing and God demonstrating, he wants to use us for his creative purposes. And there's, it's no different with evangelism. He wants to use you to reach people for the gospel, and our very mission statement reflects this here at Emmanuel. Our mission here at Emmanuel is to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Our, our vision is that you personally connect people to the power of God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our vision is personal. It's not just on the stage. It's not just a select few here and there. It's everybody, anywhere and everywhere, to personally connect people to the power of God. Therefore, we are not a club. We're not to be a club. 
We may have been a part of a church. In fact, Emmanuel, there's been years past, we were a club, right? No, we're not a club. Our doors are wide open. And we always have seats next to us that we're saving for the people that we asked. We're not a museum of the past. Even though we honor our past, we believe that God is empowering you to reach people in the future. Because again, life is too short and the stakes are too high to know what we know and do nothing. Over 99% of Kenosha this morning is not in this building, but I think an even more important metric is this, is that over 60% of Kenosha County, by the census, says that they're either atheist or non-religious. Atheist or non-religious. And doing a little bit of fact-checking, Kenosha County, this is gonna shock some of us, but I think it's because we have been predominantly, we have a Catholic and Lutheran heritage of, of just that heritage where people just kind of live by that heritage, you know? When you're like, oh, that's my great-grandpa's faith, right? We have a lot of that going on in this city right now, which has made us one of the least reached counties in America. Did you know that? We have a lot of heritage, and that's why it doesn't feel that way. It doesn't feel like San Francisco, but it's true. As people answer in the census, they're either atheist or they are non-religious. And the far majority are millennials and Generation Z. We have to reach them. We have to reach everybody, don't, don't mishear me, but we specifically, if we do not reach this next generation, we will be Europe in five to 10 years. I think it's five, and maybe sooner. If you've ever gone to Europe, every church is a museum, you pay $15 to say, wow, this building's pretty awesome. I don't want people to say that about our building. I can care less. I want people to say, wow, people's lives are changing in this building. So we're going to do something about it. We're going to ask the Lord God Almighty to do a mighty move through us. The question I've been asking you is, who are your three? Who are your three? Who are three people that you're constantly praying for, you're showing care for, and that you're going to share with? Some people have asked me, Andy, can you just give some specific ways to reach out to people? And so, all right, here are some uh, specific ways to reach out to people. This is a, 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 your three that you're praying for, caring for, and sharing for. Here's some specific ways. You might want to take a picture of this because this, this is a, a lot of information on here, all right? Number one is get your friends to hang out with people that don't know Jesus. I think there's, there's time and it's honorable to hang out with those that are, are followers of Christ, ironing, sharpening iron, that's good. But there needs to be times where you, you are connected with people at work or at school. You need to connect them into your friend groups. I know we have uh, things that go on after church. Some of you are hanging out and stuff. Make sure you're inviting your unsafe friends. And go to them before they come to you. So I'm like, ah, I'm just gonna let them come to me. No, no, go to them, be proactive. Third is think of this, the coffee dinner dichotomy. If you, like, I haven't had a, a spiritual conversation, you know, you can invite them to a large group thing, but when you want to connect with them, you can get coffee. Coffee is uh, something to where it's a little less of a commitment. Dinner's a little bit more of a commitment because you can go deeper into things. But again, be proactive as you're reaching out and connecting with people. And then finally, invite them to church. And by the way, there's no order to this. You can invite them to church and then all that happen or vice versa. But the thing is, it's not about how, uh, how you do it. It's not about how well you do it. The question that God is concerned is, are you doing it? Are you doing it? This isn't optional. We will stand before the Lord God Almighty. And again, the reason why I'm being intense this morning about this is I believe, I could be wrong, but I believe the next six months to a year are an opportunity we will never get back in our lifetime when it comes to the ground of revival that is so fertile. 
You know, a, one, a way that we invite people here at church is through our invite cards on the seats. And it's time to start using those again. I know that we've been hammered in our head by, this, by the, uh, um, some organization. I don't want to say it because I don't want to get struck. But some organization said, you know, oh, don't touch surfaces because you'll die. Well, and then they went back and said, oh, you can touch surfaces because we were wrong, right? Well, guess what? It, it, we get confused. I'm just going to tell you right now, start using your invite cards, all right? If people don't want, it, want to take them, they won't take them. But most people will, all right? But the cool thing about these invite cards is this. Is some people are like, well, I hand them out and they never show up. Oh, they're showing up. Hello. Hi, Anna Emanuel Kenosha Church Online, right? They're, they're online right now. Hundreds of people are online because people are passing out that card and they're connecting and they're checking it out for the first time. And we can't wait to see you here soon. So make sure that in your purse or your wallet or in your car that you have these ready. I actually didn't have some in my wallet. I'm just going to tell you. I'm going to be real here. But I had ones from Christmas and um, and the person was so interested, they took my Christmas card because the QR code still worked, all right? <laughs> to be ready with that. Why? Because the New Testament church is always growing. Praising God and enjoying favor of all people every day, the Lord added to their number those being saved. Every single week, I'm going to give the gospel. And every single week, I want us to have the expectation that people are going to say yes to Jesus. So what now? If we know who we are and what we're supposed to do, what now? Let me just share with you in a rapid fire some things that are going to be happening here in the months to come. First off, let's talk about local missions, all right? Local missions. First off, Youth for Christ. As schools reopen, we have two Youth for Christ missionaries in this church. We have somebody on the board with Youth for Christ in this church. Mark Lehman's on the board, all right? We want to get in every school this fall. And listen, we're going to be very close in doing it, church. And Emmanuel, you're a part of this. Emmanuel, every time that we give, you're a part of this. If we're to reach the Generation Z, we need to be on every campus. And God is opening doors wide open. And Stephanie and Jared are doing a fantastic job at making sure and capturing that. We want to end abortion in Kenosha County. Amen? We want to end abortion. You want to talk about the least of these? It's those in the womb that are denied a chance to life. And listen, if you've had an abortion, Tom talked about this last week, we want you to know that there is forgiveness in Jesus Christ. There is. But we want to end it. End abortion. We want to reach mothers and walk with them, not only through the pregnancy, but after the pregnancy. And so uh, we have teamed up with CareNet, and they have teamed up with Human Coalition. And we have people in this church right now uh, that are serving in CareNet. I know one, even someone on our staff, Sydney Batello, uh, goes there and serves each and every week. Why? Because church, we are committed to seeing abortion eradicated in Kenosha County. International missions. International missions, we have Go Live Dare in South Africa. We have, uh, we have uh, Dawn with Russia, with Blazing Trees uh, in Russia. We have Stefano Longo in Italy. And we have the Sunrise Kids in Kenya. And I want you to know that they have been waiting for us. Our, our strategy here is not only to significantly give them finances, but it's also to send people to do specific tasks they cannot do. Well, we haven't been able to do it because of COVID. Guess what? The doors are about ready to fling wide open. And it is my desire to see each and every person in this church to go on, go on at least one international missions trip. Some of you are like, just one? You can go on as many as you want. But we want you to know there's going to be opportunities for potentially three trips in 2022. We're trying to get the doors open for Russia in 2021. And youth, 
We're trying to get the doors open to Jamaica for you in 2022 as well. We want to be a mission-sending church, and we want to make sure that the ministry just doesn't happen in Kenosha, but around the world. Each and every time that you give, it, you go to those organizations as well. Also, campus, campus inspec, uh, ex, expansion, uh, not only, we, we need to understand that this is an important place. We realized that last year. And so this is a hub of ministry. And so some of the things that you'll be seeing in the months to come that we'll talk about is we're going to continue to upgrade our sound in here. Uh, it's it's going to be, the sound levels will be a lot more equal. Uh, also, uh, the lobby expansion, I, I'll tell you about the lobby with uh, something very awesome ministry-wise in the future, but I will just kind of let it out. Can I whisper? I think the women's bathrooms might be on the docket. All right, so anyway. <laughs> next generation expansion. Our next generation ministry, our kids from birth all the way to college is exploding and we need to not only invest in infrastructure, but we need to invest in the ministry as a whole. Online streaming expansion as well. We're reaching hundreds of people uh, each and every week through our various channels. We're on Church Online, we're on Facebook, we're on Vimeo, we're on YouTube. And here's something that you can help right now as we, uh, again, expand that, uh, is every time that you share our service, even if you're here, share it on Facebook. Oh, that sounds vain. It's not vain. It's reach. We want to reach people. And listen, I know you can do it. Like, I haven't even gone to Lakeshore Nutrition yet, and I'm sure it's really awesome. But y'all sharing that, all right? So uh, let's share something that's even better for our uh, temporal, and let's go for the eternal. Listen, and I'm sure Lakeshore Nutrition's great, so go, go visit them, all right? But whether it's Lakeshore Nutrition or The Buzz, we, if, if, especially if something's in it for us, we're like, you know what? I'm going to share that. I'm going to share that. Hey, every week, share the service because people are stumbling upon it, and they're connecting with it, and we meet them each and every month in person. So what you can do now is be prepared to jump in, pray, and I want you to know every time that you give, it's pushing the ministry forward. We need to raise about another $4,000 extra dollars a month to go where we need to go to reach this city. We're so thankful where God has brought us. In fact, I'll just give you some numbers. These are the only numbers I'm gonna give this morning. I had a bunch of numbers. I'm like, oh man, I'm gonna put everybody to sleep. But I'm gonna give you this. Is that through April 30th, uh, we have, uh, through your tithes and offerings, through your generosity, uh, we've brought in $167,000 and our expenses have been $139,000, all right, uh, which, is, which is great. We've been, we've been keeping things scaled uh, through the pandemic season, all right, but for the budget, if we wanted to spend our budget where we need to be, we're a little behind. Now, that's a little bit of a confusing number because we also built a stage, all right, so that was a big expenditure, so, but, the, but the main thing is our income, 167 to our expenses of 139, we're doing well, but I want you to know it's not just, oh, we're doing well. Uh, I want you to know that we really, as we ramp up into the fall, and we believe it's going to be gangbusters, we really want to invest in the next generation. And so if you haven't begun to give or, or even automate, by the way, automation, for those of you who have automated in the past, that really pushed us through the, pandem the pandemic. Uh, that's really helpful as well. As you can see, there's exciting things that are happening, and this is just the tip of the iceberg. There's, we wanted to just pause and just kind of share with you where things are going, and we can't wait to share with you in the months to come just other awesome things, but I want to share one more thing with you.
as we're in extra innings, I just want to say this. Thank you to all the life groups that have responded in different ways for our community. One of the strategies, one of the strategies here at, at Emmanuel is our life groups will sometimes get involved with things that we don't get involved with on a larger scale. I just want to say thank you so much whether it be from beds being made, whether it be from people that help rebuild uptown. And by the way, our church did take part in that as well. But church, I want you to know, I don't want this city being the same. I want it so saturated with Jesus. And I'm looking at each and every person in this room right now. And I'm just saying, wow, because I see what God can do through you. Let's pray. So Father, thank you so much for what you have done today and the stories that we've heard. God, thank you so much just for what you're doing through your people. God, I pray that for our three, the three people we're gonna reach, God, I pray that you, we would see new stories upon new stories emerging because people have met Jesus. God, I pray that, you would, that we would go deep into our worship with you, God. We love you, Jesus. Lord, I pray for that if there's anybody in this room today that doesn't know you, they would cry out to you right now. They'd say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I want to place my faith and trust in you alone. I love you, Jesus. Just tell them. Tell them that you need them. Admit that you've sinned. Thank you for dying on the cross, raising from the dead. Place your full faith and trust in him alone. The Bible says all those who cry out in the name of the Lord will be saved. We love you, Lord. Thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Again, if you'd like more information about Emmanuel Kenosha Church, then check us out online at kenosha.church. Also, we'd love it if you'd connect with us on Facebook or Instagram, both at kenosha.church. Lastly, if you enjoyed this podcast, we encourage you to subscribe to us on iTunes at Emmanuel Kenosha. That way, you never have to miss an episode. At Emmanuel, we are not perfect people, but we are people being made new through Jesus. Thanks for listening to this week's episode, and we'll see you next time on the Emmanuel Message Podcast.